Hey everyone, and welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season, we invite you to lean in as we talk about leadership. Join us as we sit down with seasoned leaders who are passionate about being the hands and feet of Jesus, regardless of their title or role. We talk about identity, leading and falling well, discernment, and so much more. Today on the podcast, we are chatting with Eric Hellowell, who is the worship pastor at Harvest Church in Huntsville, Ontario. And today we talk about just his leadership journey and coming to Jesus, the things that God has placed on his heart to lead others into and what that all looks like. So go play hockey, listen to some music, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Eric, welcome. This is really fun because you're an arrow friend. Um, but now you're officially a work friend. So thanks for joining us today. Yay. Yay. Thank you for having me. I am honored. Believe me. <laughs> we'll believe you. <laughs> uh, to start off our conversation so uh, listeners can get to know you, we're going to ask you some fun facts. So what is your ideal day? Great question, Jen. Uh, so an ideal day for me, um, if I could pick a, a day, would be uh, waking up uh, in the morning, having a coffee, spending time with the Lord, uh, for sure. And then, um, you know, in my day, I'd, I'd love to like be with my ministry team, uh, help with vision planning and worship service planning and worship leader, pastor stuff um, would be something I'd love to like to do that for my day and then go home to my family, have supper with my family and uh, be in the word with my my family. Uh, then I would love to go play pickleball after yeah. supper because pickleball is amazing. Um, and then at the very end of the day, after the kids are in bed, uh, I think like watching an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond with Lindsay would just be just the the pinnacle of all days. Everybody loves Raymond. That's that's the show. Do you watch it? Well, I have. I just okay. I've never. That's like a unique show to watch on your ideal day. It is. Yeah, we love it. It's we really enjoy the the dynamics of all the the fighting and all the uh, just the the fun, hilarious ways they talk to each other and <laughs> work out problems and families. It's, we find it funny. It makes us feel good about ourselves. Yeah. So. Yeah, fair enough. A good reason to watch a show. <laughs> there you go. Good day. OK, um, if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would they be? Okay, so the, I really enjoyed this question and kind of thinking about the answers. And I think, like, just off the bat, obviously, Jesus would be number one, I think, for most of your guests. Um, so I'm going to actually just assume that and still say three other ones. Yes, okay, that's so, what a lot of people do. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So um, the psalmist David, I think, would be an amazing meal. Um, and I think some of the things in that meal I'd really be paying attention to would be uh, the tone of his voice. I'd love to hear what that sounds like. You know, we have all these Psalms and these prayers to the Lord that he's written, that he had written. And so just to hear how he just talks over a separate conversation would be pretty cool. Uh, to watch his expressions when he talks about God, like, is he like using his hands a lot? Is he, how, what does he look like when he's doing that? Uh, and obviously I'd love, uh, to hear him say grace before a meal and to pray and just to be there to hear hear him, hear his heart, uh, I think would be really sweet. Um, that's the first one. Second one, 
uh, would probably be uh, Matt Redman, mm. who is, for any of your listeners who don't know, he is a worship leader that has been leading worship for, oh, gee, tw- 20 plus years for sure. So I'd love to have a conversation with him and and hear his pr- uh, perspective on how the worship culture has changed and morphed and grown uh, the good and the bad side of that over the last 20 years, I think would be so valuable to mm. me. So, so if Matt is listening to this podcast, like I'd love for him to reach out to me <laughs> and sit uh, <laughs> for lunch uh, for sure. Uh, and finally, uh, Jim Carrey. Mm. He is a childhood hero of mine. I was a big fan of all of his movies back in the day. And I, I just think that he would be an interesting guy. I was actually battling with Jim between Jim Carrey and Robin Williams mm. for people who I, who I think would just be really interesting. They're hilarious, but they, I think they have a, a really deep uh, philosophical side. Obviously, uh, Robin Williams is dead. Jim Carrey is not. But that would be my my main three. I think nobody has ever mentioned any of those three. I think you're the first one to hit all of them. Yes. Yeah. Congrats. Mm-hmm. You get some kind of award. Maybe a meal with one of them. So sure. that would be good. <laughs> Sue, if you're listening, Matt Redman, <laughs> David. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Hit up Eric. Um, okay, what's the newest skill you've learned? Um, so as you both know, I've been working in my basement, finishing my basement um, over sabbatical. Actually, it's been a bit of, about a year and a half process. So I've learned some carpentry skills and uh, like trim work and baseboards and and flooring and installing doors, all that kind of stuff, which has been really sweet. Now, I wish I knew one thing, though, with my renovation is that um, I spent a lot of time really dwelling on the imperfections that I because I'm so limited in my skill and I'm learning all this, there's so many imperfections that would just, I'd be up at night, literally just like, Oh man, like, why am I even doing this? Mm -hmm. This is like just a complete waste of time. But, um, I learned a saying, it says, do your best cock the rest, uh, with renovation. So at the very (laughs) end, you use this like acrylic caulking stuff and it, it just like covers up all the, the bad stuff you do. So (laughs) uh, I wish I knew, earlier on that there are ways to correct things. Uh, but yeah, carpentry, carpentry skills are new for me. Mm, nice. I'll have to keep that in mind with my house. There's a couple things that need updating. Like there's a uh, weeding the flower bed and I look at the corner and there's like a chunk of the foundation just like comes off. Like it's not attached at all. So maybe I'll try that. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, honestly, and, and there's always like something I've learned maybe in life in a lot of ways, but there's always a solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, there always is a solution, even when it feels like there's not. And that, I think that goes, thankfully, to carpentry as well as to life. But yeah. Love it. You're in luck, Jenny. Nice. Uh, where's the best place <laughs> you've traveled to? Okay. Can I say two places here? I, I guess so. We'll, we'll allow okay. it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, just before COVID, uh, me and 10 other friends went to Nashville, Tennessee for a weekend to celebrate my friend's 40th birthday party. And that was, we went to a Nashville Predators game, uh, which is a hockey team there. Immediately following that, we just followed the crowd after, I think it was a Thursday or Friday night, we followed it. And then we made this, made it our way to a place called Broadway Street, which had a ton of places playing live music and 
Um, if you know me at all, you know that I love the details of music. I love good music. And I mean, I love country music as well, but it was just an amazing experience. It felt like I, I was FaceTiming my wife every five minutes <laughs> saying, hey, look at this place, uh, listen to the song, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So that was, that was real special. And then secondly, on sabbatical, um, this past uh, few months, we were in a place called Bradenton Beach, Florida. And we were we were at a, a friend's place for two and a half weeks, and we were four houses away from the ocean. And it was the most beautiful ocean. The sunset was in the west, so we could see the sunset as well. And we had some amazing memories, uh, just dancing in the waves with my kids and and getting sunburnt and playing football on the beach. And, and that was just a real special place mm. for us. So cool. Mm. I love it when you like you're able to go to cool places, but then like when the memories and the people that you're with almost exceed the location of it, it just makes it, Mm. yeah, extra, extra special. That's cool. Yeah. So aside from those fun facts, tell us about yourself and what life looks like for you right now. So we are coming back uh, from sabbatical. And so we were off for three months. And um, so right now we're in a season of, you know, the Lord did some pretty amazing stuff in during the sabbatical that I think we'll chat about later. But um, right now we're in a season of kind of taking those passions, those desires and, and seeing how they fit um, and how they fit with my role here at, at our church and in our community and so on and so forth. So we're in a season of, of kind of reintegrating back to ministry life right now. Uh, we're in the summer and our, our boys start uh, summer hockey next week. So we're loving that. I'm playing baseball Um and yeah, so we're just kind of, and we live in Muskoka, so we have beaches and stuff like that. So we can take advantage of that as a family and, and enjoy that. So yeah, that's kind of where things are right now. Mm. Sounds nice. A summer in Muskoka, that'd be, yeah, not, mm-hmm. not bad, I guess. <laughs> it's not a bad deal. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, before we kind of get into some specific questions, we just love to hear a little bit more about you. So can you tell us about uh, when and how you made the decision to follow Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was I was raised in a in a home, a loving home, but they they were not believers. Um and I remember at a young age, it's funny, in uh, in Ecclesiastes, it says that God places eternity on the heart of man. So in other words, like there's this longing that that every person I believe has uh, to that there's there's more to this life than we can see. And I remember always feeling that growing up, even, although I did not grow up in a quote unquote religious home, um, I always felt that draw to something more. And um I had uh, an experience in grade six where I was bullied pretty severely. And uh, that led me to um, kind of making a deal with myself that I would do anything that I could to be accepted by people and friends and all that kind of stuff. And so, which I think was also had to do with that longing for, for something more to be belonging to something. And I couldn't really put my finger on what that was. So, um, that longing mixed with trying to please people uh, led to um, me getting to a pretty dark place, uh, grade, grade six, grade seven, grade eight, getting into um, uh, drugs, drinking, um, the party life that, uh, that I found myself in some pretty dark situations for sure. And then grade, uh, you know, eight, grade nine, kind of getting into like violence stuff with some uh, groups of friends where we would just be doing uh, some stuff that was pretty bad uh, violence wise. And um, 
it's what kind of like made me fit in with this group. But even when I was doing every, all that stuff, I just really felt that it wasn't, it was very fleeting. Like the, the, um, the feeling of belonging to that and the feeling of the rush of, of the drugs and the drinking and, and the violence, the partying, uh, it was great for a second, but it was, it was fleeting. It went really quick. So I felt like I wasn't satisfied. I felt like there's still something more to this life than just merely being accepted by, by my peers. Um, and, um, and I was also hurting inside too. Uh, shortly after that, my parents got divorced and it was, it was hard. I didn't think it was hard at the time, but I now realize the wounds that had caused uh, to my heart. Um, and I started to question love because we always thought that my parents had this perfect marriage that they never fought in front of us. And all of a sudden um, uh, they, they decided to get a divorce. And so I questioned love and what is real love and all this kind of stuff. Mix that with wanting to belong, being included, uh, you know, substance abuse, violence, all that kind of stuff. And then I found myself, uh, I think it was grade 10 or 11, my, my dad and my stepmom, they wanted to go do something as a family. So the options were like, let's go to the movies, let's go bowling, or let's go check out a church, something like that, which seemed really random. Um, but one of the options was let's go to church as a family unit on a Sunday morning. So I was likely, um, hung over probably even on a Sunday morning. And I remember going to church and as I watched the people worship the Lord, um, first of all, it was a little bizarre because people were raising their hands towards the front of a room. And I thought, I, I thought that looked kind of weird, but there was something, this passion within, within these people, um, that I just couldn't, um, I couldn't forget. And, and so it drew me back and I had a meeting with a youth pastor and the youth pastor took me out for lunch. And I thought he was actually taking me out for lunch to reprimand me because I was pretty cruel to uh, all the Christians at school. Like they'd be like reading their Bibles by their lockers and I'd kick their Bibles out of their hands, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I thought he was going to yell at me for treating his kids like that. And he just, he started talking to me about Jesus and he shared the gospel with me and um, he invited me out to youth group and they had worship nights as youth, as a youth group and prayer time. And I just remember, I just remember feeling like this is it. This is actually um, what I've been looking for. And I think theologically, I, um, I now realize that, that the Lord had been chasing after me all those years, but that was the moment in which I received, you know, it was about a couple of weeks later, uh, January 2nd, 2002, uh, where, um, I gave my life fully to Christ and, uh, yeah, I haven't really looked back since. It's really cool knowing for you and you've already talked about it, that worship is, I mean, it's part of your work that you lead and invite others to like through music to do that, but then also how that's been such a powerful thread woven well before you even like decided to follow Jesus. So that's so cool. Mm. I wondered if you could talk Mm -hmm. about, um, a few like really transformational experiences that formed you into who you are. Yeah. Great question. And I would say, um, my salvation experience was, the most formative transformational experience of my life. It says in second in, uh, Corinthians five seventeen that like, um, if anyone is a new creation, the old has gone, behold, the new has come. And, and like the Lord literally gave me a new heart. Um, and, uh, that was, so that was like hands down the biggest thing I would say even around the salvation experience, like you said, Jen, 
I think watching people worship, uh, I think that's like really burned into my brain and my heart and, and just the passion that people had for Jesus and not just like in the four walls of the church, although that was important, but also like we, I, I grew up in Christ. Uh, I was discipled at a church that was very mission oriented, very outreach oriented. So to see that the outflowings of that was huge. Um, Another transformational uh, experience for me has been church planting. So um, I'm the worship pastor at Harvest Church in Muskoka. And we, uh, my wife and I moved to Muskoka almost 16 years ago to be part of a church, this church plant. And so there's about 20 to 30 people at the time, just a core group of people. And to see um, the, what the Lord has done in the last 15 years, uh, there's been, it's been incredible to see the faithfulness of God. Um, the, the fact that he is true to his promises, every promise that he, that he gives us, he will fulfill. And, and one of the biggest ones we talk about a lot here is that Jesus says he will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And we've seen the Lord build his church and build health and just passion. And, uh, we've had great seasons and we've had tremendously hard seasons through those last 15 years, but that that's been very transformational. And then finally, I think marriage and parenting, um, which is like a very broad answer, mm-hmm. but I think that the Lord uh, has used that for definitely for both joy, tremendous joy in my life, but also tremendous uh, sanctification in my life for sure. Where, you know, when you're living within the four walls of a house with, with multiple people, then there's things about yourself that, that all of a sudden surface up and you're like, Oh, I didn't realize that was there. And so, um, and then you get an opportunity to, to bring that to the Lord, and I'm still a work in process. But that would be very, very transformational for me. Mm. Yeah, people are really good at, uh, yeah, bringing out the things that we we might hide when you start to get close. So that's uh, good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, that's again. We could say that maybe God had a design in that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Um, as you have stepped into different positions and learned more about yourself and gone through these different formative experiences, uh, how has discernment played a role in your leadership? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, so in the different positions of leadership that I've had in our church, um, First of all, in church planting, church plant ministry, like early, early on, like everybody has multiple hats. It's just, it's just the way, the way it is. And I think that the Lord um, over the years has been growing in me a heart more for um, specifically for worship ministry. So you kind of, in my experience anyways, in church ministry, you start as a generalist where you're kind of doing everything. And then you, over time, as the Lord births in you and affirms your your gifts, your desires, your passions, you move kind of more towards a specialist. And that, that especially you're able to do that, you know, if there is um, growth in your staff members in terms of numbers of staff members who can then take some of your generalized work and they can focus on a facet of that, which allowed, allowed me to pour more and more time into worship ministry Um so that, that's been a huge thing. Um, how has discernment played a role in that? Um, I think that, you know, there's been seasons more recently I've had sabbatical, but there's been multiple seasons in the past 15 years where I've had to get away with the Lord and ask him like, what are the, 
what's what's my role in your story god what's where do i need to where are the passions you've laid on, on my heart and so god has been so faithful through those times through chatting with godly mentors to to really show that that worship ministry for whatever reason is something that that god has put on my heart on my and on my plan for vision all that kind of stuff um and so yeah, that, that's, uh, I've had intentional times of discerning for that. And then I think one of the tensions and the hard things with discerning your role and when you are in leadership and maybe potentially having to more move into a specialist, more type of role is you have to ask a couple questions. You have to ask, or what is your vision for me? Uh, desires, gifts, passions, all that kind of stuff. But then also in my role, I have to ask the question, what are the needs of, of the local church? Mm. And so sometimes I think there's just like needs to be a flexibility. Sometimes um, there will be different needs in the church than what God is, you know, giving me in my times of discernment, uh, the passions, all that kind of stuff that I have uh, that he's given me. Sometimes the needs will be different. Maybe there's not just so much a a need for worship ministry, but maybe it's worship plus, plus, plus. And then we got to take that back to the Lord and, and ask him like, you know, is this the right place to, to continue to work or will, does there need to be compromise both sides? Um, I'm in a bit of a discernment, discernment phase right now, to be honest with you. Um, and um, I think God has given me a great resolve for worship ministry and what that could look like. So we're just meeting with our leadership team here to kind of flush out what that could potentially look like right now. So kind of in it right now. Mm. Easy breezy, right? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, yeah. I'm. Cur- I really like that you mentioned that like community is part of that discerning pro- or like first coming away and being alone with Jesus and spending time with Him and asking Him what He wants and asking Him to lead, but then also inviting other people into that. How have you found mm-hmm. over the years, um, like balancing? I'm also a fellow people pleaser. Recovering people pleaser, we'll say. Yes, um, join the club. Yeah. So how do you balance like those tendencies, like people pleasing tendencies with where you believe God is leading you with also the needs that um, are in your church when there's, when those things aren't uh, saying this. Yeah, align. That's what the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, that's that's a really tough place. I think I think it's okay to know that these decisions don't have to be super quick. There can be a process to this. I think it's freeing uh, to know. Um, but I would say that, um, you know, our number one, all that we can um, do personally is we're responsible for obedience to the Lord. That is our, that is our job. Um, how do you, I think, I think that the struggle that a people pleaser would have is, is sacrificing on, some of these uh, resolves and passions that God's placing on you because it doesn't work within someone's, someone else's agenda mm. or vision. I think it's critical. And uh, we might talk about this later too, but I think just having a growing fear of God and just those intimate, intimate times with the Lord, mm. because that's where the confidence comes from. That's where your identity comes from. That's where, we our calling comes from is from from the, those closet moments with the Lord when no one else is looking, mm-hmm. and so that needs to be really a big priority for sure. Um, and then you just I feel like 
you know, where God is calling, he'll equip. And where God is calling, he'll also provide opportunity for that. And so, um, and likely if we're hearing from the Lord, right, others in community will hear something similar too that would affirm that, right? So I think that there would be a, an element of agreement mm. um, as you process, but but not to have the pressure of this has to be decided in three days, but like this could be a process where we talk about the compromise each way. What are, what are the things that God's saying? No, you can't compromise on this, mm. but maybe there are areas where you can. Mm. That's good. But it's tricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. As you think about your, um, you as a leader, how has God refined you through seasons of difficulty and um, like deep suffering? <laughs> and again, I ask this question, not like you don't need to share specifics at all. Um, but how's yeah. God, yeah, how's God refined you through that? So I would say um, we've been through, and so it's funny, suffering such a funny thing for the believer because it kind of seems freaky when you're not in a season of quote-unquote suffering. Um, but I would say that the best times and seasons where the potency of the, the presence of God has been in times of suffering where you um, are aware of your your need for the Lord, your dependence on the Lord. Um, sometimes to the to the point where, like, I'll look back on certain seasons that we've gone through, and although it's like it was really hard, I'm like, man, I kind of want it to be sort of hard again. So we so we have that reliance on the Lord. Um, one of one of the things like it, it all depends on how you respond to suffering and trials. I think too. Mm. I think if if your if your response is is in the flesh or um, just you know working through it in your own strength. In other words, I think it, that will lead to despair. I think to burnout. I think it'll lead to feeling far from God and maybe becoming embittered towards Him. But if we take suffering and trials and and see that as the Lord's love and care and mercy on us to, to prune us, to uh, rid us of our own sin, to give us a bigger picture of who he is. Um, then I think, you know, one of the advantages of suffering then becomes we realize our need for God. We are, are actually more dependent on, on him. In John 15, it says that Jesus says, he is the vine, we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And so it's one thing to say that, but it's another thing to be in a season where we're like, Lord, literally apart from you, we can do nothing. We are that stuck. Mm-hmm. And the other benefit in a season of trial, I think, would be uh, the proximity of the Lord to us. Um, in Philippians 4, it says, and I say this so often to people, because I have to say it to myself, is that it says the Lord is at hand. In some translations, it says the Lord is near. Therefore, the next verse is, is the one everyone knows. You know, present, if you're anxious, present your request to the Lord, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ. But what gives you that peace is, in fact, his presence, mm-hmm. his nearness in proximity, right? And so those are two things, two lessons that I think have been helpful in uh, seasons of seasons of difficulty in leadership. Mm. And it's so countercultural, right? Like I think that our world, particularly like Western Canadian culture is very much about like, take out anything from your life that doesn't serve you and um, Work harder. making everything easier, faster, 
better, less painful. Mm-hmm. Like we don't want to work hard yeah. for anything. Maybe not for anything, yeah. but that's sort of the mentality, right? And so to say yeah. we're going to actually embrace suffering mm. because we know that God is near in those things and that we can have peace. Like it, it, it doesn't make sense, right? Like it isn't a... It's very countercultural. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the fact that the Lord, he's near in suffering and that he's producing in us a godliness, he's producing in us a hope, he's producing and he's using us too. Like as, as the church suffers well in and for Christ, that we are a testimony to those who are watching and they see, oh, like this God thing is, is actually real. Like they are, and, and there's benefits to knowing the Lord. Yeah, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like too, I mean, in my own experience in different ways, it's like, uh, like things are not as they should be. You know what I mean? When you mm-hmm. see brokenness or like whether that's in your own life or in the world or people that you love, it's like God mm-hmm. is making all things new. That's right. Yeah. Mm, that's good, Eric. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You want to talk a little bit more just about this idea of worship and leadership. So, I mean, you've talked a little bit about how, um, you know, whatever it is, it's God has really kind of placed that on your life. There's something about it that's for you from him. Um, mm. But I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit more about like, what, what does that look like? What does your heart for worship look like? And I know that you're a very intentional mm. person. And so it's not just, you know, picking up the guitar and going and doing things. It's something that you actually care. And so, yeah, talk to us about what that, that looks like for you. Yeah. I think, um, as a worship leader, worship pastor, um, one of the hardest things to guard, but the most important things to do is to remember that, that I need to be a, a worshiper of the Lord privately because we can't lead people um, to a place that we've not gone ourselves. That's a, always been a big thing for me. Um, and that's, I've had seasons where that's stronger than others for sure. Um, I believe that worship leadership is absolutely critical. Uh, worship and prayer leadership um, because um, a God, God created us to worship. And so we are all worship factories. We just, we point our worship as human beings to something or someone all the time. Um, but where we will find, you know, as believers in Christ, where we will find peace, comfort, joy, uh, purpose, vision is when we place that worship completely on Jesus Christ. Um, so that is important to me. I also think that, um, in this time in our nation's history, I think worship and prayer are very important as well. And God is birthing in me um, a bit of a vision, I think, for larger scale um, national worship stuff where um, we're in a very post-Christian culture at the moment. And it's not moving anywhere closer to Christ right now. It really feels like it's it's on a, on a slippery slide away from, from the Lord. So how important! I, I just think it's so important that people understand what worship is. Um, you know, ascribing worth to the Lord um, is right and good for us to do. But that in in worship, that um, you know, worship's kind of like it's warfare as well. I believe worship is warfare. It also sets our hearts to the Lord. But I think that in the season, the church needs to be um, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And I think as we worship and pray together in unity with uh, other churches, um, it's just going to be absolutely critical. So we're developing a, a bit of a, 
we're trying to like discern what the Lord's doing in, in our hearts. I have a team of people here that, that we have a heart to see this happen kind of in, in uh, towns really across Canada. But um, how would the Lord use worship to um, build up the church, to send the church out? You know, Isaiah 6, I, I love that passage where um, Isaiah has this vision of God. And then uh, what happens, um, he says, woe is me. And then the Lord atones for his sin, provides atonement for that with the burning coal. And then after, after Isaiah has this moment with the Lord, his response is, here am I, Lord, send me, send me. And so that's just, I think it's huge. And I think worship plays a huge part of worship and the word of God, for sure, uh, play a huge part in building up the disciples to, to be the hands and feet of Christ. Mm. I like that you mentioned that, like, like, I think when we hear worship we think of music singing but what you just talked about there was like no like we actually worship god with our life like we're all Hmm. these like worshiping factories regardless if it's pointed to christ or elsewhere right which i wonder if that's a little i don't know like do you do you come across that that's like a different way of viewing worship um as you have had conversations with people Certainly, yeah. I think that the if the generalized idea would be worship is, you know, we sing four songs, five songs on Sunday, yeah. <laughs> and we leave. But I think that I think that um, it's actually in a book by a guy named Matt Papa called "Look and Live," which is I really recommend it to anybody who wants to read about that. But it, he talks about that we're worship factories, and that um, he talks about it from the perspective of. Um, you know, there's sin destroying power of Christ that we find in as we worship, worship him rightly. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, as we worship, I, I believe like, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against like the authorities, the principalities of this world that's unseen. And I believe that as we worship, as we ascribe worth to Jesus, not, I, I believe that there's warfare happening there. It's uh worship is basically, it's, it's, um, you know, there's worship in song, which is just prayer with a melody, but then there's the, the lives of worship and obedience to the Lord, a sacrifice of, of praise to the Lord, as it says in Romans 12. Um, it's critical to have a, a broader view of worship. It's not it's not one facet. I think it, it is our whole life. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, I think that's like slowly developed into a pet peeve of mine of like, okay, we're going to stand <laughs> and worship. I'm like, yeah, okay, but like, this is like a tiny piece of how we actually worship God yep. with our whole life. Anyways. Yeah. Then I'm like, yeah, Jen, just sing. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I love that you're thinking through that, Jen. I think that's that's important to, to process. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's cool too. Like, I know that like you coming right off of sabbatical, basically like you're a couple weeks in working, like since you've been off um, uh, for three months. And so to hear you kind of unpack it a little bit more and to hear, and I know that you haven't like, this is what it looks like as far as, um, this dream and this vision and passion for, um, leading and worship for your community, but also for Canada. Um, it's really cool to see how God is leading you and leading your team, but also how you guys are pressing into that as well. Like it's not, Mm. Yeah, as you as you're talking, it's not like I want to do this great, amazing thing so that like my, people know who I am. Like, 
Ew, number one. But like, you're not saying that at all. Ew is right. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> um, but talking about for you coming out of sabbatical, um, being a leader in your community, being a leader in your church, what have been some really good practices and rhythms that have come out of your sabbatical that um, have been really good for you being a good leader? Hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I came into sabbatical realizing about myself was how distracted of a person I was mm. and how I would be okay with distracted. Cause we kind of believe this lie that as long as like we're in the word, we check the box, we do the stuff, as long as we're producing, um, you know, stuff at work, whether it's in ministry or on the job somewhere else, as long as we're doing that, we're doing okay. But I feel like I really got to a place of a, a, a long season of distraction where um, in many ways, like in Revelation 2, Jesus talks to the church of Ephesus and says, you know, you do all this, you work, you toil, you do all this. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But he said, what I have against you is this, you've lost your first love. Mm-hmm. And so he says, therefore, turn, repent, you know, do the things that you did at first and stop doing whatever's, you know, led you to, to be distracted. So... The Lord has graciously, honestly, just brought me back to that first love over sabbatical. I've had um, countless times on the living room floor just weeping before the Lord. And, you know, what I actually did personally, like I just, there was songs from the, you know, early 2000s worship songs that we did as a youth group that that there's a nostalgic vibe about it for mm-hmm. me. But, uh, you know, Jesus says, do the things you did at first. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to grab a couple of songs that I used to worship the Lord with. And just the times in his presence were so restorative um, to me in identity in Christ was just, um, yeah, it just like the Lord just showered me with like his presence. It was, it was incredible. So what have I, pra- what practices have I put in place that that's a non-negotiable is that um, unrushed time with the Lord um, very, very regularly. That's, that's a non-negotiable and it's an easy one in a, busy world to kind of push off and say, I'll do that later, but later ends up being, you don't end up doing it. So, um, that, yeah, that's been a huge, that's the single most transformative thing for sure. Yeah. And that's hard too. Like, I think that that's one, if the enemy has gotten like a really good foothold on something, I think in our culture, I think that it's not really a priority in a lot of people's lives to spend time with the Lord, um, or to make that, Mm -hmm. or they, yeah, I don't know. I, I wrestle with this as I talk to people because, I mean, we've all wrestled with, like you said, even you're like in seasons of distraction or for our own lives of realizing like none of us is exempt from this. But um, I hear a lot of people, especially, you know, my my peers and stuff like that, of like they have this desire to like want to be close to God and to want to spend time with the Lord. But it's it's like we have this like, I, I don't know what it is, if it's like a stronghold or if it's like just um, our own priorities or what, but, uh, it it seems that a lot of us, it's one thing that is easily, I don't say necessarily just neglected, but forgotten or just like hard Mm. for people, um, to get Mm -hmm. into, like they, they just don't know how to do it. It feels like. Um, but I think Mm. that I, I sometimes say this to my youth. I said, I can say lots of fancy things, but spending time with God is really the best advice I could give you. Like it's, and that sounds too mm. simple, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it is true. But there's a reason why it's simple. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why we have cliche sayings. It's because they are 
probably pretty important, but mm-hmm. they're, they seem like, yeah. But I think, um, you know, people, I think it's warfare related because the enemy knows that when we are with Jesus, that we are set free mm-hmm. and that we are, um, we are pushed forward in mission and we are sharing the gospel. And when we're with Jesus, we are um, finding our identity. There's, you know, lies are gone because it's re- replaced with truth um, for sure. But I think also it's a discipleship thing too. I think people just don't, we assume that people know how to spend time with God, but I think we need to be showing people and telling them, this is what I, this is what I do. I, I'm in the word. I'm reading my Bible. I, I jot down things that God, you know, speaks to me. You know, I, I throw on some worship music and I just sing at the top of my lungs. I have a list of people I'm praying for all that kind of stuff. Like sometimes people just need to practically be shown and discipled and, and how to do that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny, um, the, the distracted thing, one huge verse for me, um, has been the Luke chapter 10 with Mary and Martha. And it's a very, very common story. But the uh, the synopsis of, of the account is that Mary and Martha, uh, Martha has Jesus over to their place. And Mary is working frantically to prepare, um, you know, a meal or whatever for the Lord. And Mary is at the foot, feet of Jesus. And, and Jesus comes over to Martha and is like, Martha, Martha, you know, what you're doing, like you're anxious about all these things, but what is most important is actually what Mary's doing. But we're in our culture, especially, we always feel like accomplishing it produces results. Um, but what are the results we're actually looking to produce is a question that we need to ask. And the, what the results will actually, good fruit will actually come from the Mary moments at, at the feet of Jesus. And interestingly enough, like Martha was was probably making a meal for Jesus that he never asked for probably a meal for Jesus that he didn't need, but she felt that, that he would need this. But, but what was most important is just the genuine time with the Lord. Like it's literally that simple yet. It's that hard at the same time. Mm-hmm. That simple and that hard. That's a good way to, to sum that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Thanks, Eric. Um, so obviously I feel like I, first of all, I was like, oh, I should snap, which is a big thing we've done in Arrow. I want to (laughs) (laughs) And that's my segue to ask you about Arrow. (laughs) Wow, that was the smoothest transition ever. I was literally thinking about it in my head. I was like, oh, snaps. And then I was like, oh, it's like, (laughs) anyway. Um, so yeah, this, this Arrow journey, which has been cool because I remember, well, it's been like, uh, I just got a notification that a year ago. I was in BC, which means it was just about a year ago where we would have had that like first call. And I remember Whoa. you yeah. talking about like how you were going to be going on a sabbatical at some point during the arrow journey and you were going to get to have this time set aside and stuff like that. So it's neat to be here um, a year later. So I know that uh, there's a lot of overlapping things uh, as far as what that journey has been. But can you just talk a little bit about kind of some things that you um, you know, now that you didn't before or that have been reaffirmed and what that's been like mm. for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Arrow has been an incredible journey, uh, for sure. I would say that all three of us here on this call could really, um, agree on that for sure. I think there's some simple things, one very simple thing, but it, it's, it's really a big deal is, you know, the, the goal of Arrow is to, to make Jesus-centered leaders, right? And so it's to be led more like Jesus, to lead more like Jesus, and to lead more to Jesus. Um, and it's in that progression for a reason. And um, 
I think the intimacy that I have with the Lord has been a huge part of, of what I've learned at Arrow and how that, that, that will actually inform everything else. And I'm seeing that like, um, one, one really interesting, uh, story that happened at Arrow that was described where I was and also where I think the Lord is taking me is we were at the first intensive, which is a one week kind of outing. We, I think we were at teen ranch in Orangeville, and uh, it's a very intense week where you go through a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of teaching and repentance and all a bunch of stuff. So the, my word for the week was return, like in other words, returning to the Lord. So as you can see, there's been a theme in my mm-hmm. life for a long time. I just, God's timing has been over sabbatical, but back then it was return. And I said to the class, as I ex- explained why I thought that was the word, I said, I, I need to return to the Lord so that, you know, I can, um, to the benefit of myself, to the benefit of my family and to the benefit of my church. And so everyone's like, yeah, great answer. Like, that's, that's great, whatever. <laughs> um, but then one of the leadership partners, Kurt, pulled me aside uh, that day afterwards. And he said, Eric, he's like, gee, like, that was just, that was great. I love your heart with that. Um, you know, that you want to do this for your, the benefit of yourself, the benefit of, of your family and your church. But he's like, have you ever like wondered or thought that like maybe like this, w- this would be to the benefit of, of the Lord Jesus himself as well. And then I like, I literally broke down crying mm-hmm. in that moment because like just the, the love of God, the intimacy, and obviously nothing we do theologically, we know that nothing that we do can benefit the Lord. We know that because he's perfect. He's holy. There's nothing that he needs, but the fact that he desires to be with me, um, and, and, and intimacy is, is something that I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And that has informed a lot of stuff uh, for leadership planning, vision planning, all that kind of stuff for sure. Um, I love how it says in Revelation 3, you know, Jesus stands at the door, behold, I stand knocking. Would you basically let me in that I would come and dine or have intimacy uh, with you? It's just such a beautiful picture of what the Lord desires. And I wasn't getting that. And I feel like in that moment, the Lord, like, like I got it mm. in that moment for sure. And that's, like I said, it's, it's uh, directed a lot of my vision statement and all that kind of stuff. So really mm. grateful for that. Mm. So cool. Hard, but good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I think it's funny that I've run into a couple people who are not a part of our class, but have done Arrow previously and ask how it's like, how it's been and talking about intensive one. And I'm like, yeah, I cried a lot. They're like, oh yeah, I did too. It's like, just like a known fact that intensive one anyways is like intense. Oh, yeah. um, it's intense. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for sharing that, Eric. We really yeah. appreciate it. And yeah, it's like, it's been really cool to be on this leadership, aero leadership journey um, together. So um, yeah. to wrap up our conversation, we have one more question that we ask everyone. And that is, what is the best piece of advice you've received? Great question. Make sure you get to the coffee place before it closes would be one of them. It's <laughs> um, a good one. Secondly, um, an old friend of mine uh, used to always say, in ministry, it uh, doesn't matter what kind. And I think I would say this, uh, I think we could say beyond just church ministry, but in, in the life of a, a Christ follower, your input must always exceed your output. Mm. Otherwise, you'll find yourself in a, in a rough spot. And that could, 
manifest in different ways, but your input should always exceed your output. In other words, your time with the Lord is more important than your time uh, with your people. Mm. Well, not, nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt when I heard it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm wondering, we don't normally do this and we didn't uh, prepare this, but as we're sitting here, I'm just um, kind of prompted. I'm just wondering if you could end our time uh, just praying um, for those that would listen to this and just even to hear your heart for like, you know, what you really hope for God to do and awake in our people. Um, and we have, you know, all kinds of different people listening to this. So I'm just wondering if you would uh, pray for, for our listeners here. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, I just, uh, I do thank you for this conversation, Lord. I thank you for, um, I thank you for your love for us. Lord, I thank you that you surprise us with your love for us, Lord, even when we're not looking for it. I think of the woman at the well and how you were waiting for her there. You were there before she got there and that you surprised her with with your love, Lord, and with the, the truth that you are the living water, a well that has no bottom to it, Lord, and we will never, uh, we will never be unsatisfied with you, Lord. And so, God, I just pray for... Um, for all those who are listening to this podcast right now, Lord, I pray that they would find their their joy, their identity, their love in you, Lord. It says in Psalms, one thing I, I ask for that I will seek that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and dwell in his house forever, Lord. And I pray that there would just be such a, a stirring in the heart of the listeners, Lord, that they would um, just treasure you above all else, Lord. And I pray that you would build up your church in Canada and Lord in North America. And I pray that, that your church would be just full of people who are on fire for the things of the Lord, mm-hmm. that we would be the salt of the earth, that we would be the light of the world, Lord, that we would see revival in our time, Lord, and that you would use us, Lord. And for those who are in a season of suffering, Lord, I pray that they would suffer well for Christ. I pray that their eyes, their gaze would be pointed towards you, Lord, and that you would develop in them a character that that uh, um, is just so godly, Lord, and, and a hope, and that they would be a testimony to those around them. Lord, I pray for this podcast. I pray that this would just bear so much fruit and encourage your people, or that this, that this would even draw people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, we worship you. We thank you for who you are, and we pray that you would be glorified um, in our ministries, Lord, and be gl- glorified in this nation. Lord, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for praying, and thank you for your story and, and being open-handed with um, just the different pieces that God uh, has led you in the last few years and to, to sharing about um, specifically in this last uh, season what, what the Lord has been speaking to you. And um, yeah, just for, for all you do, may it benefit you and the Lord and your family and your church and, and whoever else may be blessed by that as well. Thank you, work friends. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we have more conversations like this coming out that you won't want to miss. So subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you like best. And if you want more reminders about episodes and things like that, you can find us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Just Work Friends. Toodaloo! (laughs) Until next time. (laughs) Have a great week. Oh, janky Jen. Hey.